This week's Pensioners for Independence podcast comes to you from a meeting that was organised by our Edinburgh and Lothians group. They asked Peter A. Bell to come and talk to them, well, via Zoom, of course. Peter is a prolific blogger on independence uh, for Scotland. His blog's called IHaveQuestions.scot, well worthwhile having a look at that. And here he is talking to the group and answering numerous questions from people who were there on numerous subjects, all about where are we now in the campaign for reinstating Scotland as an independent nation. Unfortunately, we missed the first couple of minutes of the meeting, so it starts somewhat abruptly, but after that, it's fine. Hope you enjoy it. Here it is. There's plenty to talk about at the moment. There's uh, there's lots going on. Uh, none of it what we want to be going on. But uh, apart from uh, the uh, big topics, uh, Brexit and COVID, that seem to intrude on everything, uh, we have uh, our own uh, political issues here in Scotland. And uh, uh, that's enough to be going on with. The... Uh, the big stories uh, just now are obviously the uh, upcoming election, uh, although it's uh, six and a half, more than six months away. I think we still have to regard it as upcoming. Uh, the issues with uh, list parties, uh, that one's a, a big topic of conversation. And uh, the whole uh, issue of the SNP's approach to the, the constitutional question. So I'm just going to kick off with a question to start, start things going. Peter, do you think, do you honestly think there will be an election next year? I think there's something strange going on, if that is uh, even a question that... Uh, isn't laughed at uh, straight away. And the fact it is a serious question is very disturbing. On balance, I would say yes. I, I, I think uh, probably the election will happen now. So uh, yes, that would be a, a, a seven, maybe a six out of 10 yes. So we have to behave the same, whether uh, the election actually happens or not. If it's to happen, we're likely to find out uh, very close to the time. It will be a last-minute thing. Every time I answer a question, I always try to finish by asking if that is the answer. If the person, I am so accustomed uh, to people in debates, etc., uh, and we're accustomed to it with politicians, uh, not answering the question. Uh, so I always like to check that the questioner is somewhat satisfied with the answer. So... Okay, yes, yes. I, I am, and I think you've given the only answer possible, to be mm -hmm. honest, Peter. So, Margaret uh, Torrance is asking, uh, isn't it the law that there has to be an election in Holyrood in 2021? Yeah, well, uh, that's what the uh, the law says. That's what the Scotland Act says. Uh, but uh, emergency measures. Uh, there's uh, there's a distinct possibility. The the uh, so the UK government uh, could over override that. I uh, I think I'm I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, but I, I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, that could happen. Uh, it, it would have to be the UK government. Uh, the, I don't think there's any way 
that uh, the Scottish government uh, can uh, cancel the election. The uh, Scottish government doesn't have uh, the powers for emergency powers, if I can put it that way. Okay, well, because Thanks, everybody's Peter. muted, Peter, all I can say is I hope that's a satisfactory answer, Margaret. But if you want any more clarification, please type. Right, Leah, Leah Gunn-Barrett has said, why would there not be an election? I think you've covered that. That, that was a slight, slightly different question. Uh, why would there not be uh, an election? And that's, that's actually a, a good question. Uh, we're, we're talking very casually there about the uh, UK government stepping in uh, and uh, cancelling or postponing our uh, election. Uh, and we're just sort of taking it for granted that they could do that. But uh, what would their motives be? It sort of is, though. You, uh, when you start thinking about motives, you're, you're, you start thinking of rationality. And you know, there's, uh, there's not much rational about what the British government's doing just now. I think the, uh, the main reason, the main motive that, that I could imagine uh, causing the uh, the UK government to panic would be uh, signs uh, that the uh, SNP were going to have uh, the the kind of uh, the kind of landslide that would be massively embarrassing uh, to the uh, the British parties and the British establishment. Uh, the, the SNP has a massive lead at the moment, and uh, if that is sustained. Uh, and even increased uh, nearer the time, then the UK government is uh, going to be looking for uh, any way to get out of that situation of uh, having some massive vote for the SNP. You know, uh, th this will probably come to this later on, but this is one of the reasons that uh, I uh, am not happy about the list parties. Uh, I, I, I think we should be given the SNP as big and as powerful a mandate as possible, not, not spreading that mandate out among lots of different parties and candidates, focusing it, uh, because that's the only way it rec it'll be recognised. That's the way British politics works. Uh, that's what First Past the Post is all about. It's all or nothing. So. Uh, We'll possibly talk more about that later, but that I think would be the uh, the the main reason. Uh, whatever excuse they gave, whatever public reason they gave, it would be because they were uh, panicking about uh, the uh, result of the the election. I've got a I've got a question from Angie and Dave Maxwell. Peter, yes, uh, my concern is that after the first of January, as you have hinted. Uh, the UK government has uh, the power to just uh, abolish the, the devolved parliaments. And I wonder how likely you feel that is, because I don't see many people discussing this matter openly at, at the moment. And I think if it is a possibility, we should be prepared for it. Uh, is it likely <clears throat> that the... Uh uh, the British government will uh, close down the uh, devolved administrations. Uh, not uh, Possibly not directly, indirectly uh, they will. Indirectly, they're doing it right now. 
uh, by uh, undermining the powers and uh, of the uh, devolved uh, parliaments and delegitimizing them, uh, uh, making it uh, so that uh, they do not have legitimate power under British law in certain areas. And just undermining the public or, or trying to undermine the public perception of the uh, the usefulness uh, of the, the Scottish Parliament. Uh, there was a thing that happened when the, uh, with devolution, uh, which uh, you'll remember that there were some people who in the SNP uh, and in the independence movement more generally who were opposed to the uh, the gradualist approach. Uh, which uh, involved devolution, but uh, I, I I was unsure about it. But then I came to realise that the more powers are uh, devolved, the more difficult it becomes becomes to uh, uh, to withhold powers. The more difficult it becomes to justify withholding powers. Uh, it occurs to me that that works in reverse. Uh, uh, once they start taking powers away from the parliament. Uh, it becomes easier to justify taking more powers away. Uh, I can just hear um, uh, Alistair Jack uh, saying, oh, well, uh, uh, we've, we, we now have powers over this, but uh, powers over that are still with Holyrood. It would be much more efficient if we had the powers over both this and that. Uh, for the benefit of the country, of course. Uh, so that, uh, I think that's uh, that's the way they go about it. Uh, it's not a, case, uh, a question of whether it will happen. It's happening now, uh, and <laughs> that's what we should be worried about. This process has already started. Uh, it's not going to be a one-off event. Boris Johnson isn't just going to pop up on our TV screens one day and say, well, "That's it, guys." Uh, go home, we're padlocking the doors, we're sending some uh, a busload up for the Met uh, to take care of it for you, we're closing it down. And it's not going to happen that way. It will be a gradual thing and the, they'll actually probably leave the Parliament in place uh, because uh, it will be a, a handy scapegoat uh, when, they, when they mess things up. Uh, the Scottish Parliament will be there for them to blame. But it will be uh, nothing like what it is at the moment, uh, uh, and nothing like what we want, obviously. Could uh, Peter Winfield, would you like to uh, read your question to Peter? Uh, I have a question about whether you think, I mean, I remember you talking about yes before and what you think you were hoping that yes would come together. And I'm part of a little initiative that wants to make that happen. And this question kind of relates to this. It's, uh, should we be campaigning? And if so, about what? And should we be campaigning about a referendum? You don't like referendums. I know I read your writing. Or is there anything else you think we ought to be focusing on? So, caught that remark about I don't like referendums. That's not true at all. I insist that there must be a referendum. Uh, what's in question is uh, uh, the route to that referendum. Uh, I have absolutely no doubt there has to be a referendum. There can be independence uh, uh, without the express 
uh, consent of uh, the Scottish people. So let's get that one out of the way uh, right away. There must be a referendum. Uh, uh, campaigning. Uh, I, what I want to see is the, the SNP, the Scottish government, we have to assume that it's going to be uh, an SNP Scottish government, otherwise nothing's happening. So uh, what I want to see is uh, the Scottish government taking a, 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 a radically new approach to uh, the whole constitutional issue, uh, totally reframing the constitutional issue uh, abandoning, renouncing the Section 30 process uh, and uh, uh, creating a, 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 a democratic process of our own uh, in place of what we'll come to call the, the Section 30 process. Now that uh, reframing of the issue obviously has implications for the campaign. And uh, the actual uh, campaign uh, for the referendum, when it uh, when it comes to that, well, there will be no doubt in, in the scenario that I'm talking about, there will be no doubt that there is going to be a referendum. That will be a fact. Uh, just that the UK government will have nothing to do with it. They, they will be out of the process altogether, as they should be. For, uh, for the purposes of this referendum, for the purposes of uh, the people of Scotland uh, expressing their right of self-determination, for that purpose, if for no other, uh, the UK government is a foreign power. It's a foreign government. And uh, you, uh, the, the UN international law in general don't expect me to quote uh, numbers uh, uh, and accents and uh, whatnot now, but uh, the uh, international law forbids, it absolutely forbids uh, the uh, any interference by external governments. So uh, that's uh, that's a, it's a, the, the, the issue is reframed not as a campaign for independence, but as a campaign against uh, the union. Uh, we take it right back to basics. What, what, is the, uh, what is the cause of all the problem? What is the root of the problem? The root of the problem is the union. Uh, you get rid of the union. It doesn't solve every problem, but it, it frees you to start solving problems or to at least start addressing them. Uh, it's the union that prevents us doing the things that we want to do. So get rid of the union, job done. So we're, we're then able. This has uh, massive implications for the for the campaign. Uh, I, I would like to see a totally different campaign from uh, from the 2014 campaign. Uh, during the 2014 campaign, we were. Uh, Pretty much uh, forbidden to uh, uh, to say anything uh, even mildly negative about the UK uh, and about the union. Uh, no, 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 no. You must be positive, positive, positive all the time. Uh, that meant we were only doing half a campaign. Uh, the negative campaigning is not the same as dirty campaigning. What people get them mixed up. 
uh, negative campaigning is half of any campaign. There's something you're for, there's something you're against. You've got to make the case against as well as the case for. The one thing that I would uh, definitely like to get away with is uh, talk of uh, policies. This is not an election, it's a referendum. Policies have nothing to do with it. When you're talking about the referendum, you talk about the referendum, nothing else. Uh, if you want to talk about your vision for Scotland, fine, but don't talk about that as part of the referendum campaign, because the referendum deals only with that one issue. Uh, uh, do you want to end the union or not? That will be the question uh, along those lines, uh, and that will shape the campaign. Uh, the 2014 campaign, any campaign, any single issue campaign, any referendum campaign, is largely shaped by the question, very largely shaped by the question. The 2014 campaign, the question, do you want Scotland, uh, do you think Scotland should be an independent country? That, uh, that framed independence as the, con uh, the contentious issue. It was independence that had to be proved. Uh, there was uh, no scrutiny whatsoever of the union, uh, or so little as it might as well have been nothing. Uh, so that, uh, I want to change that. I want to get away from trying to justify uh, independence, uh, and I want to force uh, those who want to uh, keep the union, I want to force them into a situation where they have to justify that. Uh, I think Scotland is ready for that now. It could be argued that we were not ready for that kind of campaign uh, 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 six, seven, eight years ago. Uh, I wouldn't dispute that uh, uh, too much. Uh, I am firmly persuaded that uh, Scotland is ready for that kind of campaign now. Uh, something uh, uh, bold, decisive, assertive, and even aggressive. Uh, where that is called for. Thank you very much, Peter. That was very, very useful and helpful. Thank you. Speaking to folk, I think we haven't shaken ourselves out of the mindset that we've got an awful lot to worry about. And with the polls sitting where they are, what, why are we going around like this? And all the indications are, is the tide is running with us. That you know, the, the polls are only going to go in one direction. Oh, why don't we just be more confident? I, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, uh, the, uh, we fear the, uh, the wrong thing. We fear our, uh, uh, our own failure. Uh, uh, we fear, fear when we, what we should fear is the, uh, the British state. The, uh, the British state is not benign, and it's certainly not our friend. Uh, uh, the British state uh, will uh, go to considerable lengths uh, to maintain the union for a, a multitude of reasons, uh, uh, economics being only the most shallow of those reasons, as economics always is. Uh, the, uh, there are a myriad reasons. The, uh, the very existence of uh, Britain as uh, the British nationalist uh, see it and, and, re and regard it. Uh, the, the very notion of that is at stake. I, I wrote a blog not so uh, long ago where I, I actually 
came right out and said that, 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 that this is actually uh, an existential issue for uh, both uh, the British state and the nation of Scotland. If the British nationalists win, uh, the, the nation of Scotland uh, will cease to exist. Uh, not immediately, but over time. That will be the aim. And if the uh, British nationalists get their way, that is what will happen. Uh, uh, with independence, uh, the British state ceases to exist. And if I can just go a wee bit off topic just for a moment, uh, that that is actually one of the reasons that I think that the, uh, the British state uh, will be pulled up short from going to extreme lengths uh, to keep Scotland. Uh, I, the, my reasoning on that is that they need Scotland uh, so much, uh, resource-wise, resource yes, uh, but for other reasons as well. A lot to do with their status in the world, uh, the, uh, the status of Britain in the world. Uh, we'll come to a point where uh, 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 stopping the cost of uh, trying to stop independence, trying to stop Scotland leaving the Union, uh, is uh, greater than uh, the cost of uh, negotiating a settlement. They will want to negotiate the best settlement that they can get. Uh, they will be, for example, for example, they'll be wanting to try and uh, keep uh, the, the, the Trident on the Clyde for as long as possible. They'll be negotiating hard for that. But there'll be, there's lots of other things that they will want to get out of the negotiations. So uh, at some, there will be a point. So long as, and this comes back to the confidence issue, see how I went in a wee circle there. So long as the Scottish government uh, does not show any weakness, so long as the Scottish government shows absolute determination that independence is going to happen. The British government will back down. If the Scottish government shows the slightest weakness, the slightest hesitation in going ahead, that, that will only encourage the British government to persist. So uh, that is where this confidence comes in. We, uh, we have to be confident. We were confident in our, uh, enough in our ability to be uh, uh, an independent nation. Why aren't we confident in, the, uh, in ourselves to manage the process of restoring Scotland's independence? I never talk about winning independence or gaining independence, always restoring independence. We are, uh, uh, and this is the same with the powers, uh, uh, devolved powers and the reserve powers. The reserve powers are being withheld. And, uh, uh, were, and the devolved powers have been restored to the Scottish Parliament. Uh, language is important when you start talking about things in that in those terms. Confidence, coming back to the question yet again, uh, confidence is massively important. We have to have confidence in uh, not only our confidence in being independent, uh, we have to have confidence about becoming independent. For too long, we've been uh, saying that we can, uh, it's as if we can only manage this process of becoming independent with the help of the British state. <laughs> no, the hell with that, I say. Uh, 
recreate and manage the process ourselves. Uh, one of the worst out possible outcomes uh, uh, of uh, the, the election is the, that the SNP uh, Nicola Sturgeon uh, are still dead set on asking for a, a, a Section 30 order uh, and Boris or whoever's in charge at the time says yes. Because if, uh, if he says yes uh, uh, to a Section 30 order, uh, it means he's been assured that uh, the British government will be able to sabotage the process uh, somewhere along the line. Uh, and if you actually think about the ways that this, uh, the UK government could sabotage the process, you'll realise uh, it's all too easy for them to do that. The Section 30 process has to be written off completely. It's our referendum. It's our right of self-determination. So it's our responsibility to create our process. Think about that. Think about the term self-determination. Uh, what does the self, who does the self in that refer to? It doesn't refer to Boris Johnson or any of that lockdown in London. It's us. So the whole thing has to be about us. I'm going to be quiet now. <laughs> Sorry. That was great, Peter. You're getting me all excited here, boy. <laughs> um, or can I just roll on to Mike? Mike Wallace, um, that's a long question you have there. In fact, you have two. Could you roll the two together, please? Would you like to ask that, uh, Mike? Edinburgh Southern SNP has already supported a resolution written by myself. I'm holding an independence referendum. Now, that states that the Scottish Parliament should be the only body that decides on the referendum. It should, it should not accept a veto from any other body on this. Uh, would you agree that this is the only plan A that SNP needs to clearly adopt for their manifesto at the next election? Yep. And by the way, I don't think it's realistic to think the referendum question will be different from last time. You know, however desirable the end of the union question is, I think uh, for sake of continuity between the, the judgment and the next referendum, will have to be clearly seen to supersede the judgment of the last referendum. Would you consider that resolution as something that you could pass on to uh, your Perth branch and ask them to support? Uh, yes. There's your answer. <laughs> the, um, I, I, uh, I actually started a Facebook group called White Rose Rising uh, that uh, was a, a wee experiment in uh, getting the, uh, uh, the whole Yes movement to come together. Uh, for the purpose, the express purpose of uh, forcing uh, the SNP to adopt uh, a manifesto for independence. Uh, and the, uh, the, the second point on that manifesto, the first point is uh, the renunciation of the uh, Section 30 process. Uh, the second point is uh, uh, asserting the uh, competence of the Scottish Parliament in all matters relating to the Constitution in Scotland. And that is actually uh, a declaration of independence, a unilateral declaration of independence, UDI, uh, which is a perfectly acceptable term because uh, all uh, uh, independ all independence movements come about uh, that way. Independence is realised. It's always uh, it always stems from a unilateral declaration of independence. 
uh, well, we know what independence is. Uh, uh, and if there's no declaration, then how's everybody going to know? Uh, and uh, it has to be unilateral because who else has the right to declare your independence? You know, who, so uh, there's no problem with the term UDI. Uh, it is, uh, in effect, a declaration of independence uh, where, with, the, with the rough edges taken off uh, so that uh, you can progress past that. The third part uh, calls for the uh, uh, the recall of our MPs uh, from uh, London uh, to sit in a, a national convention. Uh, the fourth part calls for uh, the Scottish government to uh, uh, formulate and initiate and follow a, a process for a, a referendum for the uh, Scottish uh, people to express their uh, right of self-determination. Uh, and I, I am very glad that this question came up uh, because uh, the, the, the fact of the matter is uh, there are an, any number of branches, SNP branches, uh, working on resolutions. I tried to write a resolution that would gain had the maximum chance of gaining consensus, and that's why I, the, 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 the kernel of, of that resolution is that the Scottish Parliament should not accept a veto from any other body on its sovereign right. Uh, you know, I'd like to see other branches supporting that. I would certainly support any resolutions on uh, wider ideas of sovereignty. But I think if, if a resolution is looking to, to actually get to conference and get through conference, these are just bullet points that I've created uh, uh, to, uh, for guidance, you know, to, just to get across the idea of a manifesto for independence. And uh, obviously, if you accept them as the bullet points uh, for, a, uh, for a manifesto, you also accept bullet points for a resolution to, uh, to conference. So uh, and, and the first one, as I said, uh, as I said, was uh, about renouncing the Section 30 process. Now that, is actually it means the same it comes to the same thing as what you're saying about a veto but your way of wording it is actually better and for the reasons that you uh, that you stated that it's very difficult it's impossible really for anybody to argue against that so uh, right uh, today's learning experience i've taken that on board Mary Stewart has, has asked, how can we protect against Westminster interference during any referendum or whichever route we take to achieve independence? Now, you've spoken on that, but would you like to clarify further at all, Peter? Uh, the, the answer is, is it's the same as the answer I gave when there was uh, all the fuss about uh, uh, Russian interference. Um, I, I pointed out that uh, historically, uh, powerful nations have always interfered in the uh, in the political affairs of other nations. It's kind of what international politics is all about. So this interfering in uh, uh, politics uh, uh, and uh, processes democracy now. I mean, historically there wasn't any democratic process, but uh, uh, all that meant was that. Uh, they uh, uh, interfered with each other's uh, politics in different ways. Uh, so the, the answer really is that you can't stop the interference. Uh, all you can do is be aware of it, be aware of its effects, 
and seek to counter it. You should also seek to try and stop it if you, uh, if you possibly can. But it's much more important to be aware of it and aware of its effects so that you can counter them because there is no way you're going to stop it completely. Be aware of it, try to counter it, try to stop the worst of it. Uh, that's all you can do. Uh, you can make it illegal. Uh, you know, uh, we could uh, make it illegal for uh, anybody for, from uh, uh, to, uh, to interfere uh, with uh, huge fines. Uh, but then that has to be policed. So, uh, mm. but, uh, if the referendum process, if the entire process is made and managed in Scotland, then it can be structured in such a way as to make it very difficult for anybody to interfere. Uh, Arthur has asked, in the absence of a successful COVID vaccine or effective treatment, should the Scottish Government continue on balance to favour community health over personal freedoms oblique economic concerns? I, I, don't, I, I don't think that's the choice. The choice is uh, not uh, between uh, uh, measures that you have to take and the, uh, the collateral damage, the, the, the unfortunate effects of those measures. Uh, the choice is between whether uh, uh, people live or die because this virus is dangerous. Uh, it, it may not be lethal uh, in more than uh, yeah, something like three percent of cases. Uh, it's, it, it does long-term damage to people's health. We're finding out now about some of the long-term damage. Uh, uh, only today there's been a discussion about uh, long-term brain damage uh, caused by the, the virus. Uh, it's absolutely certain that there's uh, problems with long-term uh, uh, lung damage. Uh, this this just can't be allowed uh, to run rampant. The uh, the, um, uh, the economic effects of that, if you if that's what you want to focus on, uh, the economic effects of allowing uh, the the virus to uh, to do its thing uh, uh, would be. Uh, Every, every bit as horrendous as the uh, uh, the impact, the economic impact of the, the, the measures taken to uh, control uh, the, the, or combat the, uh, the virus. Uh, the difference is that uh, the measures taken to combat uh, the, the virus, the damage being done by them can be repaired. Uh, the damage that might be done by uh, letting the uh, letting the virus go, uh, letting it do its thing, uh, could not be repaired. It would, or it would be much more difficult to repair. If I can just mention one one thing, one item, uh, lots of people would get ill. Lots of people, millions uh, across the world. Uh, hundreds of thousands in Scotland, uh, they all would need uh, a medical intervention of some kind. Uh, a great many uh, would require hospitalisation, and a large percentage of them would need intensive care. Uh, and uh, there would also be a, a, bit, a problem, an issue of long-term care for those uh, with ongoing conditions. Uh, imagine what that does to the, your uh, health and social care services 
the uh, the load that that puts on them would soon uh, become intolerable, uh, and the uh, financing, the uh, uh, health and social care, would uh, make a massive hole in any nation's budget, uh, and and it would be very difficult to recover from that because because so much of the budget would have to be devoted to. Uh, uh, ameliorating the uh, uh, long-term effects of uh, the virus uh, uh, run rampant in the population. Uh, it, it really doesn't bear thinking about it. It's bad enough now uh, with all the precautions that are being taken. Uh, without those precautions, yeah, it, would be, it would be dreadful. A lot of people are deceived by the fact that the, the, the virus only kills 3% of those that get it. Uh, the thing is, if you were designing a, a, a deadly virus, uh, that would be in the top 10 of your list of uh, characteristics that you'd want for that virus. You wouldn't want it to kill everybody. You'd want it just to kill a percentage because you'd want it to go on killing people for as long as possible. Can I move on to a question from Leah Gunn-Barrett? Are you there, Leah? Hi, hi. yes, I am. Um, so, hi, Peter. I wanted to know why, getting back to the SNP policy on a Section 30, why do you suppose they're adhering to that so rigidly? Does that signify a lack of confidence on the SNP leadership's uh, part, uh, or does it not really want to restore independence to Scotland? Right. Uh, can I take the second bit of that first? Uh, th this whole thing about uh, 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 Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP leadership, uh, uh, they're not interested in independence. Uh, that is a nonsense. That is a total nonsense. Uh, they wouldn't be where they are in the SNP if they weren't uh, totally committed to independence. Uh, and uh, there's no way they could stop it anyway because the membership of the party is uh, uh, committed. So uh, we can set that aside. Uh, that means it remains to be explained. And I think you were closer to it with the first part of that, Leah, with, with uh, uh, fear. Uh, fear of what, though? Fear of what? My uh, conclusion, I doubt if there's a single factor involved here. There will be multiple factors involved. There is uh, a, a, one of those factors, if I, before I get on to what I think is the main one, just to uh, sort of give an example of the other factors, there's the, the fact that uh, Nicola Sturgeon has committed so hard to the Section 30 process. She has virtually said that anything else other than the Section 30 process would be illegal and unconstitutional. That is a very hard commitment to the Section 30 process. So it's now very difficult for her to get out of that, even if she wants. And the, what happens then, uh, psychologically, psychologically, is that because, uh, uh, because she's stuck with that position, she will continue to justify it to herself. Uh, 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 probably on uh, legal grounds, her being a lawyer. And then there are other people uh, who simply follow along. Uh, there are people who just follow along behind Nicola Sturgeon because they think she's wonderful, she is, uh, and they think she's a brilliant leader. She is. She is a brilliant leader of a devolved government. 
she's not a brilliant leader of an independence campaign. That's a problem. The main reason, the main reason, I think, uh, has to do with fear, as Leah said there. Fear of what? Uh, fear of the kind of politics that is required in order to uh, confront the British state. The idea that there is any route to independence without confrontation uh, with the British state, probably acrimonious, uh, very acrimonious confrontation, the idea that that can be avoided uh, is uh, total nonsense. Uh, we must pass through that point if we are to get to independence. But uh, that kind of confrontational politics is just uh, not Nicola Sturgeon's style. It's not the style of very many at the top of the SNP. Uh, and that's just the nature of the party. Uh, the party itself uh, doesn't encourage confrontational politics. So I think that's what's, uh, I think that is uh, the explanation, or a big part of the explanation for uh, Nicola Sturgeon and the Scottish government's uh, persistence with the, uh, the Section 30 process. Uh, this whole idea of uh, asserting uh, our own parliament's uh, competence uh, and the, the confrontation that that will lead to uh, is just, it's anathema. To, to Nicola Sturgeon. It's just not what she does. What that says about uh, uh, the independence, uh, what I call Scotland's cause, and the needs of Scotland's cause, uh, um, uh, that's for others uh, to decide. Um, but uh, this, I think, is an issue for Nicola Sturgeon. Will, I will continue to assume that it's an issue for, uh, for Nicola Sturgeon until she reassures me otherwise. Not personally, obviously, but uh, until she reassures us uh, that she is prepared to, uh, to fight for independence. Uh, and I don't mean in a courtroom. Uh, this is a political issue, uh, a fundamental democratic political issue Constitutional politics is the very basis of uh, democratic politics. Uh, and she has to assure us that uh, uh, she will do anything. She will fight uh, uh, for that, uh, that process, that, uh, for that democracy, for, for, for Scotland. Uh, if we don't have the right to develop uh, uh, in, the, in the way uh, that uh, best suits our, our needs and our priorities and our aspirations, then what the hell use is uh, is a country? You know? um, so she must be prepared to fight for that. I know she's prepared to campaign for it, um, but is she prepared to fight for it? Angie and Dave are back with another question. Are you still with us, Angie and Dave? Yeah. Oh, no. okay. Hi, Peter, it's Angie here. Um, do you think that the Scottish government or Scottish people could use the Vienna Convention on International Treaties to suspend the Act of Union on the 1st of January 21, pending a referendum as the completion of Brexit will break the 1707 Treaty of Union? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, is, is the answer. I, I, I see a lot of this 
uh, talk about uh, uh, using uh, this or that uh, legal process and um, and, uh, and uh, start my, uh, an argument about the uh, the Treaty of Union or the, the Acts of Union. It's usually the treaty that's referred to. As far as I'm concerned, uh, obviously, uh, lawyers may differ. Um, uh, Joanna Cherry may differ. As far as I'm concerned, this is entirely an issue for the Scottish people and the Scottish Parliament. It's entirely an issue to be settled in the Scottish Parliament. If the British government then want to challenge what is happening in the, uh, uh, in the Scottish Parliament, fine, let them. If we are not prepared to face these challenges, and this is one of the ways that the, uh, uh, that the uh, Section 30 process is defended, uh, they want to avoid a challenge. They want to avoid the process being challenged. Why? Why? You think you're not uh, capable of meeting and defeating that challenge. Uh, and if we're not prepared to meet and defeat challenges like that, uh, uh, are we ready to be independent? Uh, uh, we should leave it to the, uh, the, the British government. If the right of self-determination, if Scotland is a nation, if we have the right of self-determination, uh, and if it's for us to decide, uh, and we decide independence should be restored, that should be enough. That is it. That process uh, goes entirely through our parliament uh, and then out to the people and then back to our parliament and our government to implement. That is, that is it. If, uh, if the British government then wants to turn around and say, oh, this process is not legitimate, then let them make the argument that it's not legitimate and let us answer that argument. It shouldn't be difficult. I mean, it's, they have the problem. They will have to argue the, uh, the greater democratic legitimacy of Westminster over Holyrood. They will have to argue that, uh, that Westminster has more democratic legitimacy than Holyrood. How are they going to do that? It's just not possible. Uh, so, uh, we do it, uh, and if there's to be any challenges on the basis of any treaties or uh, conventions, uh, uh, then uh, let them come from the British government. We, we, we either do this ourselves, for ourselves, or it doesn't get done. Uh, this, uh, look into external agencies like the EU and the, and the UN. Uh, that is simply not going to work. Uh, we have to do it ourselves. Power is not given. Uh, and the very last thing uh, I would want would be for the British state to give us our independence. I, I, I don't want it under those conditions because it's not real independence. Nope. Uh, so so uh, I don't want it given. And it's not for a court to decide either. A court can only decide on certain aspects of the process. Yes, uh, such as uh, the the franchise. If somebody uh, if it excludes, if somebody thinks fifteen and fourteen year olds should get a vote in this as well, it's up to them to go to law to establish that. It's for the details. This is constitutional politics. Constitutional politics is a broad broad sweep. Uh, it's for politicians and for parliament and for the people. 
to deal with. The lawyers come along later and clean up the details. That's their job. What I'm going to suggest is that everybody unmutes and put their cameras on. If there's any last questions anyone would like to ask, then if they could just raise their hands. I think we all um, just owe Peter a large gratitude of thanks. Yeah. Who said yeah? Mary? I, I did, Leah. Sorry, I've been asking a lot. I apologize for that. But um, yeah. I just want to ask one final. Are you optimistic that we will restore independence by 2021 or shortly thereafter? Optimistic. Uh, uh, my optimism uh, tends to come to my realism. Uh, my optimistic. That's the most, that's the most difficult question uh, I've had today. Yes, yes, I am. Uh, I, I, I am optimistic because I think. I think more and more people will realise that this is an existential issue that is actually uh, uh, the nation, it is our idea of ourselves as a nation. That is what is at stake. This isn't some issue of, of policy. This isn't an, 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 even an issue of governance. It's, a, uh, it's about the very basis of what makes Scotland a nation. Uh, so if, if we don't do this, if we don't take it, if we don't restore our independence, uh, I'm not sure what will, we, what will become. We will become what uh, we've been treated as, annexed territory, uh, an annexed territory of the British state. I don't want to be an annexed territory. I think people will see, uh, increasingly see the, the importance of this issue uh, and they'll, they'll start to see it. As in a, a in a very personal way, uh, uh, and I think that will that will swing it. I'm trying to talk myself into this here, Leah. I'm, there's a hell of a lot against us, a hell of a lot. Yeah. Uh, we we are in for a fight. This goes goes back to what I said about uh, Nicola Sturgeon and the kind of politics that are going to be required. It's going to be difficult. Uh, uh, put your waders on because it's going to get messy. Uh, but I, 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 I don't like to use the word believe. I don't, I don't do faith. I, uh, I don't do belief. Uh, I, I, I believe that the people of Scotland are up to this. Uh, and when push comes to shove, they'll shove back. Thank, thank you. you very much. Appreciate your talk. And could we all just say thank you? You've been listening to the Pensioners for Independence podcast this week. Was with you've been listening to Pensioners for Independence podcast this week. It was a conversation between Peter A. Bell, prolific independence blogger, with the members of Edinburgh and Lothian's Pensioners for Indie group. Hope you enjoyed it. We've still got a little bit of time before the next programme starts, so play some music. <laughs>